For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of the Scoring Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. Hope you all had a great holiday um, with friends and family. It's been a nice uh, few days, relatively slow days as far as news goes, which is, um, you know, it's always a, a reprieve at the end of this month after the craziness that the start of December always brings with conference championship right into transfer portal then recruiting signing classes and and all of that coaching carousel luckily we didn't have to deal with the coaching carousel this year but um safe to say that december is always one of the busiest months of the year and the last few days um, right around the holiday were relatively calm as far as oregon news went so that's really nice um there's a lot to recap and a lot to look ahead to um since we last talked we had oregon signing day um the flips of a couple of four star four star wide receivers the addition of a four-star defensive tackle that we'll talk about. It's the best signing class in Oregon history. Um, you got the addition of Kobe Savage via the transfer portal, some other transfer portal uh, development, movement, stuff like that. We'll talk about all of that. Um, we're going to go all of, over all of that. We'll also look ahead to the Fiesta Bowl, which is just a few days away as I'm recording this. It's uh, Thursday afternoon as I record this. So uh, a lot to get into. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. Right. The last time we talked, it was the day before National Signing Day. Um, last time was on last Tuesday, I believe it was. That feels like forever ago. Um, like I said, it's been a um, over a week since I recorded. It's been kind of nice. Hasn't been too much news going on, but it's been a nice time to you know, um, you know, just reset and spend time with family and just get maybe a little, a few days off here and there. Um, not true days off, obviously, as as much as my wife wishes they were, and um, as much as I wish they were sometimes too. Still working every day, putting up articles on ducksWire.usatoday.com. Um, but you know, just a little bit of more time to relax. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into the the 2023 signing class, uh, actually 2024 signing class. Sorry. Um, for Oregon, just because it's old news at this point, um, you know, you've probably have read and heard all about it. Um, but just for those of you who don't know, who are just kind of a, more of your casual fan who aren't aware of what happened, the Ducks did sign their best class in Oregon history. Um, it ranks fourth in the nation right now. It's the first ever top five class um, in Oregon history. So kudos to Dan Lanning. Um, he beat Mario Cristobal's 2021 class, which was the best in Oregon history. Um, it's not exactly done yet either. I know. I mean, I think they signed 25 players, I think is what the final number was. Might've been 26. Um, they're still recruiting at least one other player as well. They're still, still trying to get four-star wide receiver Gatlin bear. Um, he's delayed his commitment until February signing period right now. It's between Oregon and Michigan. 
Um, I, so that that could raise them up a little bit more in the, the national rankings, get them up to the number three class. But there's also going to be movement from other teams as well. So, um, you know, they may fall down to, to number five or number six based on other signings. They may go up to number three. But right now they're at number four. I think they feel really, really good about where this class stands, where the talent is in this class. Um, on Wednesday, we got some of the classic Dan Lanning fireworks on signing day that we've come to expect, especially after what he did last year in the 2023 class, um, getting, you know, uh, Peyton Bowen for a, a brief period, but then getting Mateo Uyunglele, um, flipping Jaden Lamar, flipping Dalen Austin from LSU. Um, we've just come to know that there's going to be some fireworks. I know when I talked to to Max Torres last week before signing day, we were talking about, Hey, what are some of these fireworks that could come? Um, two of the ones that we projected might happen actually did end up happening. The ducks flipped four star wide receiver, Jeremiah McClellan from Ohio state. That's a very, very big win. They also flipped four star wide receiver, Ryan Pelham from USC, um, which is, you know, that one, I don't, I don't think Pelham is, well, I know he's not as highly rated of a player as McClellan is. Um, McClellan's one of the, I believe it's the, I had this in my notes. I'm trying to pull this off the top of my head. I believe he's the third or fourth highest rated wide receiver to ever sign with the Ducks. Cameron Colvin is number one. Um, Jurion Dickey, number two. Troy Franklin, I believe, number three. Then I think you've got Devin Blackman in there and Jeremiah McClellan. So he's he's four or five. I think he's number five in Oregon's all-time wide receiver recruiting rankings. So he is, you know, the the main guy. But obviously you look at Ryan Pelham, that's a, a massive win to flip a, a Los Angeles guy, a California guy from USC, kind of take them out of their back out of his backyard. Um, that's just another win for Dan Lanning over Lincoln Riley in the the recruiting space. So those were a couple of really, really big wins. I think one of the bigger wins of the whole day, though, there were zero flips from the Ducks to other teams. Um, we talked about that going into this. There were a couple of players um, who were kind of looking elsewhere and just taking visits to other places like Shaq McCroy, um, Dylan Williams. You had um, Dylan Gresham, wide receiver. They were taking visits in December, just kind of, kind of looking at their other options, just seeing what was out there. No one ended up flipping. Everybody who woke up on signing day that was committed to the Ducks ended up signing with the Ducks, which I think that's just an incredibly impressive thing that you're able to hold on to all of the guys and go out and flip a couple of other guys as well. So um, again, just kudos to the Ducks on that. Kudos to Dan Lanning. I think that was really impressive. On Thursday, the day after the the first signing day in the period, um, the Ducks also added four-star defensive lineman Jericho Johnson. This guy is a highly rated, big, 300-pound nose tackle. Um, He's just got the makeup of a a really classic defensive lineman in Dan Lanning's system. Um, He's going to be someone that I can just, you can see being a dominant interior defensive lineman in the Big Ten, being a big run stopper, big body, real tall. I think he's 6'4", 300 pounds. Um, It was kind of a, you know, a a cherry on top of the signing class because it didn't happen on Wednesday, the first day of the signing period. It came at Thursday night. So after kind of the dust had settled, the Ducks added one more. This got them up from number five in the class to number four in the class. Uh, depending on what rankings you look at. So just another uh, another really big win. And on top of all of that, a bunch of these guys are planning on enrolling early. 
Um, some of them are already practicing with the team for bull prep, but most of them will be here throughout the winter term at Oregon, taking classes, going through off-season workouts, just kind of becoming part of the team and just ingratiating themselves in the system. That's exactly what you want to see. We saw um, a good amount of the 2023 class last year do the same thing. And Dan Lanning has kind of made a point to say that, you know, it's, it's incredibly important to get these guys, those extra 15 practices in the spring, get them into the weights program as soon as you can kind of get them into your system and start developing, developing them as early as you can. That's exactly what's happening with this one. There's, I think a handful of players that won't be here until summer that are going to miss out on those spring practices. But for the most part, you're getting at least 20 of these guys, 20 of these 25 or 26 guys in Eugene this winter and on the field in spring practice, and they will be here for the spring game. So that's just a a really, really good development. You love to see that. One thing that kind of went overlooked on signing day, just because of all of the recruit signing and the commitments and the flips and all that early that morning, the ducks added a, a commitment from Kansas state transfer, Kobe Savage. Um, he, we talked about him a little bit on here before, I believe, but this is a really big time addition in the, the secondary. Um, this is a guy that really fits Oregon's needs. He was a preseason Big 12 All-American last year in 2023. He has one year of eligibility left. He's got really good coverage skills and ball skills. He seems to be a perfect fit for the defense. Kind of can take over that Evan Williams position. Um, Again, the Ducks, I've said a a ton on here before. The Ducks are losing Evan Williams and Steve Stevens. They lost Brian Addison to the transfer portal as well. He was not with the team for most of the season after that Washington game. you know, safety was a spot where they really needed to, you know, add some players and improve. They've got some young guys on the roster, but, um, you know, that's a, a spot where you don't want to, you don't want to be in a position where you need, tr- uh, I wouldn't say true freshmen, but true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores playing most of the minutes. You know, you want to have some veteran guys that you can rely on to go up against your Washingtons and your Ohio States and your Michigans and be able to cover like that. Uh, Savage seems to be one of the players that should do very well, um, you know, in that area. I wouldn't be surprised to see Oregon maybe make one more addition in the transfer portal um, at the safety position. There's not really, you know, the transfer portal at this point in the cycle is getting a little bit um, sparse. There's not a ton of names out there that um, that we're hearing a ton about. I mean, there's there's a few guys here and there. We'll talk about them, but. Um, at this point, you kind of need to wait until after. I think there's going to be more names to come after the bowl game and then more names to come um, after spring football and that uh, that second transfer window. So um, we'll look to see the Ducks be more aggressive then. They also ordered, added <clears> – <throat> the Ducks also added Oregon State kicker Atticus Sappington, um, nicknamed Automaticus, which is – you know I absolutely love that. It's a perfect nickname. Um, he comes from Corvallis. He was 13 for 14 on field goals in 2023, 18 for 21 in his career. He's got two years of eligibility remaining. Um, I think that the Ducks, you know, their their special teams are in a pretty good spot going forward. I know we lose Camden Lewis. A lot of players, a lot of fans have a love-hate relationship with Camden. I personally, of course, as I've been, as I've said many times before, I'm on the love side. Um, but you know, they going into 2024, you've got Atticus, you've got Grant Meadors, you've got Gage Herrick, you've got Tyler Kinsman, who was a six star 
uh, punter slash kicker that came in in this 2024 class. So you've got a lot of solid prospects and you're going to put them into competition in spring, um, put them into competition as this off season and in the, the summer months and just see who wins. Um, but I think that there's a lot of really talented players that the ducks can look at and say, Hey, um, if, if one of you guys wins out and proves to be better than the rest, then I think we feel pretty good about where you are. Elsewhere in the transfer portal, um, a couple of, uh, you know, I guess you'd say disappointing, but um, just unfortunate outcomes. Oregon did miss out on Walter Nolan, the former five-star player from Texas A&M, the former number one overall player. And I believe it was the 2021 recruiting class. I forget what it was, but he committed to Ole Miss. uh, I think it was about a week ago. The Ducks also missed out on Derek Harmon, um, the Michigan State defensive lineman. He chose to uh, retract his name from the transfer portal and will be staying at Michigan State. So that's a really big win for former Oregon State coach Jonathan Smith. He gets one of the better players, one of the best defensive linemen in the transfer portal to stay home and actually stick on his roster. So those are two big defensive line transfer targets, both who visited Eugene um, and both players that the Ducks definitely wanted badly. You know, they're they're someone that Oregon missed out on. So at this point, I think the Ducks need to recenter their focus. Um, Like I said earlier, there should be a lot more players to enter the transfer portal after the bowl games are over. Once the second transfer portal window has opened spring ball. Um, So I think that we'll see Oregon really look at defensive linemen hard. There's been kind of a there's been a narrative recently. I've definitely seen a lot of people on Twitter. Um, you know, reply to me about stuff. There's been a narrative that Oregon doesn't need a defensive line transfer. I understand what you're saying. The Ducks do have a lot of very young, talented players on the defensive line. That doesn't mean they don't need a veteran presence in that room. That doesn't mean they don't need to bring in a highly skilled defensive lineman to try and help lead that team. Right now, let me just go through this position group for you just to show you what they're kind of working with. You've got Kayonware Hudson, Ben Roberts, Amari Washington, those are the only three players that are not true freshmen in that class. Not true or redshirt freshmen, excuse me. So, Canware Hudson, Ben Roberts, Amari Washington. Then you got Aiden Breland, Johnny Bowens, Michael Gardner, Tiona Gray, Terrence Green, Zadavian Sims, and Jericho Johnson. Let's see, one, two, three, four of those are true freshmen, and three of them are redshirt freshmen with barely barely any experience. So, yes, you've got a lot of talent in that room, and you feel good about what those players can eventually be. But going into your first year of Big Ten play and knowing that you need to be really big and dominant up front in the trenches, you could stand to have, I mean, just as an example, you could have stood... That's not proper English. You could stand to have a Derek Harmon from Michigan State, a big body defensive tackle who knows how to play in the Big Ten, who can help hold it down in the trenches. Someone like Walter Nolan obviously would have been amazing to have on the defensive line. Um, just because Oregon missed out on them, that's not the end of the world at all. There will be other players they like, other players they evaluate that they can bring in. But this narrative that, you know, the Ducks signed these top 10 classes two, three years, well, two years in a row. Um, the fact that they still need defensive line transfers, that doesn't say anything bad about the players that they have. 
It just means that, you know, they're always looking for opportunities to see where they can improve and what guys they can add to get better. So, um, you know, you've got a lot of a talent. You've got a lot of talent, not a lot of experience. That's a position that you rotate a ton. And while you feel good about the level of talent that you do have, I can almost guarantee you that Lanny is going to bring in a veteran guy to add. Um, it's great to play young players, but you need to have the top end talent to lead the way as well, which is what the transfer portal is for in the very end. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to dive into the Fiesta Bowl. All right, as I record this, the Fiesta Bowl is just a few days away, and I guess you could say that Buzz is starting to grow a little bit as much as it can. Um, the most notable news, I think, is that the Ducks are going to wear their throwback jerseys. <laughs> I think that's the what has fans most excited. That's personally what has me the most excited. This will be the second time this year that um, Oregon will be wearing the best jerseys they have ever worn, in my opinion. Um, I know that fans are very happy. It's the first time since 2019 that they've worn the same jerseys twice in one year. Um, that, in my opinion, is... <sighs> I hate to say it kind of the most appealing part of this game um, because, you know, as I've dove more into my research and kind of just my, you know, preparing for this game and analysis of this game, it's becoming increasingly clear that, um, you know, I believe that the ducks can win this game by as much as they want to. I know that's a, a strange thing to say for a new year's six bowl. And I'm, I'm sure it sounds pretty arrogant for non-Oregon fans to hear that, but it's just the truth. It's, it's what I see. The ducks are treating this game with a lot of respect and they're taking it seriously. The best players on the team are playing in this game. Minus Troy Franklin, Kyrie Jackson, um, Jackson powers, Johnson, a couple of other opt outs. You know, the best players are playing in this game. Guys like Bo Nix, Bucky Irving, Brandon Dorless, they're all opting in when nobody would have blamed them for skipping it. No one would have said anything if they said, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna skip this bowl game and get ready for the NFL draft. That's commonplace in today's age of college football. That's honestly, it's it's pretty rare that you have these guys playing instead of instead of opting out. So um, I think credit to them. It's very impressive. It's honorable that they're playing in this game, but it also tells you everything you need to know about the team's mindset coming into this game. They care about this. They want to end the season on the right way. They want to win this game. They don't like the way their season ended otherwise um, in that Pac-12 championship game against Washington. They all have a bad taste in their mouth still, and they want to get rid of it by, to be honest, coming out and blowing the doors off of a Liberty team. Um, You know, they've said all of the right things that you need to say when it comes to, um, well, let's, how should I put this? Fans are upset about the opponent in the Fiesta Bowl. I think that you're you're happy that you got to the Fiesta, the Fiesta Bowl. You're happy that you got to a New Year's Six Bowl. Oregon fans are a little bit bummed that the level of competition is not what it could be slash should be. The fact that they're not playing a Penn State or a Notre Dame or a Ole Miss or a Missouri, something like that. The fact that they got stuck with Liberty, um, who is a team that, you know, I'll go through it a little bit here, but a team that is, hmm, I don't think as good as the stage would suggest. Yes, they're 13-0. and um, Yes, they won the, you know, I think it's Conference USA. Um, but it's, you know, I don't, I don't know that they're to the caliber of team that Oregon sees themselves uh, being competitive against. So, um, you know, 
it's going to be a really good opportunity for young players to get a chance to shine and play and show what they can do. But I don't think any of that's going to happen before this game is put out of reach. Uh, right now, the Oregon spread uh, right now, the spread is at Oregon minus 16 and a half. Uh, just an early preview. I'm taking those points. Um, I think that, like I said earlier, this is a game that if Oregon wants to win by 30, they can. If they want to, you know, play a couple quarters and and get the young guys in there and have fun and and let it be a close, entertaining game, yeah, they could do that. But I think if they want to, you know, send Bo Nix and Bucky Irving out the right way and let them just absolutely dominate this game, I think they absolutely can do that. None of this is to say that Liberty is not, you know, a good team. They've they're good on offense. They have the number five scoring offense in the nation, the number one rushing offense, the number three total offense. Good numbers. They put up stats. They've got a really good offense. They've got a really good rushing team. They have played absolutely nobody. Yes, they're 13 and 0. That's great. But listen to this, who they've beat. Let me, I'm just going to go through their 2023 schedule. This is who they've beat. Bowling Green, New Mexico State, Buffalo, Florida International, Sam Houston, Jacksonville State, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, Old Dominion, Massachusetts, UTEP, and New Mexico State again. Yeah, I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that they have the worst strength of schedule in the nation. Literally, they have the number 133 out of 133 teams strength of schedule. So, I mean... Yeah, there. It's I. I don't want to take anything away from them because yes, they went thirteen and zero. That's that's great. That's hard to do, but they are not as good of a team as Oregon, and I don't think they belong on the same playing field as Oregon. Um, mostly because they just they haven't played anyone even close to the caliber um, that the, the Ducks are. I mean, who's the who's the best team on their schedule? Can you tell me from the? I think it's New Mexico State because New Mexico State beat Auburn. And by transitive property, Auburn almost beat Alabama, and Alabama's in the college football playoff. That's a um, that's a lot of transitive property to get us at who the best team is. So, I mean, Liberty, yes, while their offense is great, I think that they can, you know, put up points against an average defense. One, I think Oregon's defense is really good, and when they have, you know, some of their best defensive players still playing in this game, I think they should be just fine. But Liberty's defense is also not great. They've got the number nine thirty. They've got the number thirty nine scoring defense in the nation. Excuse me, and the number forty seven total defense. So, um, you know, like I said earlier, if this is a game that the Ducks want to make a point and win fifty to nothing, I think they can. Um, you know, I I don't think it's going to be too close. It's it's kind of hard to predict because you don't know what that factor is. Um, when it comes to pulling players, are they going to pull Bo Nix after a few series? Are they going to let him play uh, the first half? They're going to let him play three quarters. What's it going to be? Um, but you know, if if Oregon wanted to make a statement and blow this team out, I really think they could. It's just going to be how badly do they want to win? How badly do they want to get the starters out of there? Um, guys like you know Nix, Irving, Dorless, um, a bunch of guys that are gonna have NFL careers how quickly do they want to get them off the field and and just make sure that they stay healthy um looking at Liberty a couple of names to at least know um on that side of the ball 
quarterback Caden Salter. Um, he's a really talented player. He had threw for 31 touchdowns, five interceptions this past year. He's also a big uh, dual threat quarterback, big threat on the ground. He had over a thousand yards rushing and 12 touchdowns. Um, he's someone I just I kind of want to watch because the Ducks have not always been the best against mobile quarterbacks. That's something that they've struggled with a little bit this past year, past couple of years. Um, down the line, running back Quentin Cooley averaged over 100 yards per game, had 16 touchdowns on the ground this year. Wide receiver CJ Daniels, almost 1,000 yards receiving and 10 touchdowns this year. Um, just some some names to know that, you know, like I said, Liberty's offense is decent. Well, they're they're better than defense. They're they're better than decent. They're a good offense, but you know, I think that Oregon's defense is definitely going to be able to um, limit what they can do. I think if Oregon um, plays to the caliber of defense that we've seen them this past year, I think they shouldn't have too much of a problem with it. Like I said, well, the spread right now, um, as I tape, this is Oregon minus 16 and a half. We'll see if that moves at all in the next few days. The over under is set at 67, I think this game is going to be Oregon 45, Liberty 13. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Um, you know, like I said, we've got a, a different schedule just because this Liberty game, the Fiesta Bowl, is on Monday, um, January 1st. So I will plan to come back. You know, I I don't know if I'll do a recap pod. It kind of depends on what that game is going to be like you know if it's a absolute blowout and we didn't really learn anything from it then i don't i might not do a recap pod i'll just do one later in the week but um regardless of whether or not i do a, a podcast on monday or tuesday recapping the game i will definitely be on later in the week to kind of um recap the season as a whole i'm trying to get a, a guest on for that do something fun like we did uh, previewing the season so look out for that and then we're going to start um, making that transition to basketball as I record this, like I said, it's Thursday afternoon. Oregon plays against USC tonight. They start their uh, Pac-12 schedule, the final Pac-12 schedule ever. So um, it's getting to be that time of the year where we start looking at the hardwood and focusing on Dana Altman and what that team's got going. So uh, we will start uh, making that transition pretty soon. But these last few days of the football season should be fun. Um, if you want to keep up on all of your news, again, go to DucksWire. We've got all of your latest stuff. Thank you guys for listening and following along. Again, if you want to check out more of my work, you can find out at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, take it easy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.